0: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: Buckle up, America. This is Joe and Amber with Gasp, Joe and Amber. A little scheduling snafu here at ESPN Radio. Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson actually on Joe and Amber. Since I worked last with Joe Fortenbaugh, which was, I think, 2017, it feels like. You've climbed an entire mountain, quite literally, since last time we saw each other.
2: It's great to be back. It's great to be back with you, to hear your pleasant voice, to see your smile, to be teammates once again. I did go climb a mountain over the weekend. Mount Rainier, 14,410 feet. No big deal. No big deal whatsoever. (laughs) Um, Should have trained harder for it. I am in extraordinary pain. Two of my toenails are black and blue. I have chafing in areas I didn't know existed. A couple funky skin things going on. Pain from top to bottom. Chapped lips, sunburnt nose, but I'll tell you what, it's something that's called a misogy, and I try to do one of these every year. One big challenge to push yourself to the absolute limit so that you know that you can cross boundaries, you can cross borders, you can get past what you go through on a day-to-day basis. And the mission was a success, and I didn't die. So you know what? The joke's on my wife because she's not cashing in that life insurance policy just yet.
1: I don't understand people like you. It makes no sense to me. Like life already has its ups and downs, right? You just said that you went and climbed a mountain so that you knew you could persevere in life. You know how also, you know, you can persevere in life by just living and persevering. You just do it. You don't need to go climb a mountain to prove it to yourself. Just do it. Life's going to throw enough at you over the course of a lifetime. Anyways, that you have to get through. Why add 14,000 feet to the mix?
2: So just to be clear, you floating around your pool, sharing, staring up at your outdoor chandelier while sipping on probably the finest of champagnes—that <laughs> to you is persevering. I
1: am persevering through life. Look it's at that! I'm there. on Joe it and Amber <laughs> tonight, and we're actually named Joe and Amber, so we are persevering. We are doing something right. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. <laughs> Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive com. It was impressive, even though I don't understand it. It was impressive that you went and climbed Mount Rainier. And I was very confused because I haven't known you to be one that trains in any capacity for anything.
3: And so <laughs> I, I was like, what's happening? I see happening?
1: what's
2: happening here. Yeah, the training regimen wasn't, let's just say that as we got closer to the date, my wife and then my mother was in town at one point, And they were just like, you know, we thought you'd look a little bit, a little bit thinner by this point in the process. It's like, don't worry. When the bell rings, I'll be in there. He so, yeah, from, we're all safe and sound. We're all he safe and sound. You
1: walked from the Bellagio to Cosmo on the Vegas Strip, and that was your training <laughs> for Mount
2: Rainier. I'm glad I just you need lot. to know, Joe. No. Yes.
1: Did you stretch more for Mount Rainier or for your last trip to the pool?
2: Ah, uh, here we go. The peanut gallery would like to weigh in and comment an on the – Excellent point by Rachel because you it, do – You love a good, a good
1: stretch sesh before you go lay at a pool on vacation.
2: I'm going to make this clear. I did an incredible amount of stretching for this. I actually took up yoga in the month leading up to this event. Yoga by Adrian. Does anyone know who she is on YouTube? She's fantastic. Her, her dog, me, and my kids yelling downstairs to ruin any part of mental health I will get as a benefit from the yoga. But, yes, I did do quite a bit of stretching. You got to be limber up there on the mountain. You got to be loose. You got to be limber. You got to be able to scale those rocks. It's no joke up there. You you you, you can all it. laugh all you want. It's no joke. Oh, I am not laughing
1: at any of it. Other than the fact that you did it, I'm not laughing at the <laughs> feat of actually doing it. I am impressed that you did that.
2: Do you know you do it in the dark? Not okay. That's going to be taken out of context. Um, I know that, and just yeah,
1: clip that for later you, use.
2: You ascend in the dark. We left at eleven fifteen in the morning. You are climbing past crevasses ice walls. You're hearing things crumble around you, and when you ask your guides about it, they intentionally ignore you because they don't want to scare you. Two people on our team turned back. They were too scared. It was too much for them. They had to bail. Not Joe Fortenbaugh. Not Joe Joe Fortenbaugh.
1: He he persevered, and speaking of persevering, uh, because there's no other way to segue into actual sports here, but persevering is something that NFL running backs are doing right now in terms of their NFL career. Josh Jacobs. He had, last season, 1,653 rushing yards. That's the second most in a season in franchise history for the Raiders. He led the NFL in rushing and in total yards of the Giants in 16 regular season games to 50 yards. None of the running backs up against the deadline yesterday at 4 p.m., got the deal that they were looking for, and everybody is very upset that plays that position across the entire NFL.
2: Yeah, it feels like the world is rallying around the running back position, and I think a big part of this isn't that they're not getting the money. It's the fact – it's the narrative surrounding it. We just keep saying when these contracts don't get done – the position's devalued. It's not as important anymore. It's not nearly as important as it used to be. It's kind of insulting the way we treat these guys. Like, to say they're not important, to say they're devalued, like, that's why so many of these running backs, I think, are speaking out. Yes, they want to see their cohorts get the bag. They want to get paid. They know what their bodies go through. They think it's unfair, and I can understand and empathize with all of that. But the narrative on top when we're always saying, yeah, it's just devalued. They're not important anymore. You can win with any running back. It's a little bit insulting, and I think that's why people are very fired up about it this time around. Bottom line, teams operate on a budget. It's called a salary cap. You got to spend money, but you can only spend so much. So you have to choose where to spend it. And economics in professional football have taught everybody over the last two decades that the best places to spend money are at the quarterback position, protecting the quarterback position, rushing the quarterback position, and then the guys who catch the passes from the quarterbacks. The running backs just don't rank as high on the list. When I go out to dinner, Amber, I would love to get the most expensive bottle of wine, the most expensive steak, the second most expensive steak, and then four sides along with a a salad, an appetizer, and three desserts. But I can't afford that. I have to pick and choose as I see fit. And that's what these teams do. They pick to spend their money elsewhere. It's unfortunate for the running backs, but that's the way of life right now.
1: Nobody believes that Joe Fortenbach can't afford that, but I do like the attempt there (laughs) at the analogy. The reality is we didn't get here out of the blue. Everyone's acting shocked. Like, we woke up one day and NFL owners decided not to pay running backs. That's not how this thing went. It has been over the course of many years, and it's also been a result of teams getting burned by the big contracts that they have handed out to running backs. Todd Gurley's $60 million from the Rams. Ezekiel Elliott's $90 million extension with the Cowboys. Le'Veon Bell's $52. $2.5 Point five million extension with the Jets. All of those deals blew up in their team's faces and teams have realized that they can win and they can win compete in Super Bowls type win with revolving doors of running backs here or running backs coming off of rookie deals, rookie deal. You franchise them once, maybe you franchise them again, and then you bring in the next guy on a rookie deal. And that is the system that ends up working on the field as well as off the field because it is a salary cap sport. But I do understand why running backs feel disrespected overall because it certainly has been a decline in not just the value of running backs, but like you said, how we talk about running backs. And that has to be frustrating if you play that running back position and you feel like you are the heartbeat of your team, like certainly a Saquon Barkley is. Jonathan Taylor tweeted out yesterday, If you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you'll boost the organization. And then, it doesn't matter, you're a running back. Kristen McCaffrey tweeted out, This is criminal, three of the best players in the entire league, regardless of any position in reference to the running backs not getting a deal yesterday. You had Najee Harris. I agree with my running back brothers around the NFL. History will show that you need running backs to win. We set the tone every game and run through walls for a team and lead in many ways. This notion that we deserve less is an absolute joke. Ter- Derek Henry. At this point, just take the running back position out of the game then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can give their all to an organization just seem like it doesn't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. So certainly running backs all around the league are very, very upset about this. Currently, 56 players make over $20 million per season. Not a single one of those players is a running back. Christian McCaffrey is currently the NFL's highest paid running back. He makes about $16 million per season. And running backs largely, they just don't. The only position that they actually make more than I believe is long snapper. I had it in front of me. I lost. I believe it's long snapper and punter. They So they rank, you know, towards the bottom of the NFL in it, terms of per position.
2: It also doesn't help when a guy like Kyle Shanahan comes along and can put virtually any running back into his system and get results. You will not win at a high level with the backup quarterback. You will not win at a high level with the backup pass rusher or the backup left tackle. Running backs go down, guys step in, and in some of these systems, they get results. Mike Shanahan got it in Denver. Kyle Shanahan gets it now. The system can produce results. And again, that's not to try to knock a guy like Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley, but when a backup steps in and puts up numbers at that position, and it definitely does not happen at the quarterback position, you start to understand the value, and you see why we have this discrepancy.
1: Of those 56 players that make over $20 million, 17 are quarterbacks, 13 wide receivers, nine, those interior D linemen and seven of those edge rushers that you just mentioned. Five of those are tackles, two corners, two guards, a couple of inside linebackers. So basically those positions that you just referenced as the ones that you cannot win without. And the running back position is something that has been proven. There is a significant pool of talent. It seems like also each and every year coming out of college. The draft pick, though, for the running back, also not as high now, which of course means on their rookie deals, they're not making as much, and then they don't even get their second contracts like they deserve. So it's certainly an interesting conversation moving forward with that running back position, not one that's going away anytime soon. I just don't know if you can resolve it through the CBA because you're talking about one position, which a lot of people seem to think... Would be the way to address that issue. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, the biggest lesson Patrick Mahomes learned from the Chiefs' last Super Bowl title defense. This is ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app.
0: is the joe and amber podcast there's no mountain too high
1: for joe Fortinball. well at least not mount rainier i mean everest still might be a little high for joe i don't know if you're trying to tackle that one anytime soon but he no. did in fact he did summit at mount rainier i think that's what it's called right you made it's it called to Mount top.
2: Rainier, and in the big tweet storm I put out about it, I immediately spelled Rainier wrong. And <laughs> I got I, I got to the end, and I looked back, and I saw that, and I was like, "This whole thing has been for nothing. Well, I couldn't I didn't even catch spell it, it, it right
1: because I have no idea. I found the whole thing impressive." The views looked pretty. I still think it's dumb that you did it, but I support the fact that you did and you got it done. The callers also, they want to support the fact that you climbed a mountain. 888-SAY-ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. That's how you join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. That's how Kevin in Chicago gets in touch with us. Hey, Kevin, what do you have?
4: Amber, good afternoon. Joe, good afternoon. Uh, got
3: to congratulate you, Joe, on uh, climbing that or near. I just did Mount Albert in Colorado uh, last week. It is another the 14er. It's extremely hard. Uh, the pictures don't ever do it justice. When you get up there, the accomplishment and feeling you have is like no other. And so don't let Amber put you down by doing it. It's an amazing feeling. Continue to do it. Take another 14er next year and uh, keep going for it, man.
2: That's a great phone call. And we appreciate it because we are in that brotherhood of the 14ers. Amber would know nothing about that. So many other people at this network, the Carlins of the world who are currently shooting videos at Costco asking how many samples they're allowed to have before it's too many. Those people would have no idea what a 14er is like. Thank you for that phone call. It's a special brotherhood. I appreciate it.
1: That is the type of beautiful content that you get from Chris Carlin on his social media if you want to give him a follow. What an animal.
2: What an animal just working his way around Costco eating all the samples.
1: I understand that more, though, than your behavior of climbing a mountain. Listen, I'm not- You're healthy.
2: What are you talking about? You're a healthy person.
1: I am am a very, very healthy person. So I did something healthy. He's You're right. in there eating I, appla- I applaud you for that. I just don't understand the desire. I'm not insulting doing it, and I'm not certainly minimizing doing it at all. I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand the desire to jump out of an airplane either. Sure. It's just not, I'm not an adrenaline junkie at all. Like, I, I've been in an airplane. I've seen the world from above the clouds. I've also been on the ground. I'm good. Like, I don't need to float in between the two. I feel like I'm good. I feel like I've seen all vantage points in that equation, and I don't actually need to be jumping out of a plane with a parachute on my back. At the same realm, I don't really need to be feeling like I'm going to die climbing a mountain. Like, I'm all right.
2: So let me ask you this. You you played some sports, though, growing up, right?
1: I did not play any sports growing up. Oh, it's here we go. It's very confusing to people. I watched the hell out of sports growing up. I do well, not play Well, have you ever
2: competed? Sports. Have you ever competed in anything? Like, have you ever gotten that rush from competing? This is... Com- I agree with you on on jumping out of a plane. I'm not doing that. But the idea of competing, whether it's against yourself physically or against somebody else, that's never ha- you've never really engaged in that, huh? So
1: that's the problem is I think now I never played I never I, I never really had like a reason I didn't play sports growing up. I think I was raised by a single mother frankly who worked full time and you know didn't have the time sure. to run us around to all the different sports. But I think because I didn't play sports growing up I don't have that competitive nature inside of me when it comes to physical activities. So I'm competitive with myself to some degree. Like That's I am good. in really good shape. I'm really like I was a personal trainer, you know, in my 20s between broadcasting gigs and that whole bit. I live in the gym. I do like that. So there's some competitiveness within myself of trying to, you know, get to a certain point of strength or whatever. But I don't it doesn't fuel me competing with other people from a physical standpoint what so about I, the
2: idea of running like a half marathon just to see if yeah, you can do it i'm good I like, oh yeah
1: i feel like i'm good you know like uh, i'll run you know for my own health and i'm good though what, an, really inspiration. Compete, you know? what really an inspiration what an
2: inspiration can somebody put this speech up against jimmy v's speech and we can put out a vote to see who's inspired more by uh what we just heard we hey, come on, on. there's got to be there's got to be something we can find for you for, for you to go out there and challenge yourself in some way where you're comfortable with it, and then at the end, you get this sense of accomplishment that maybe will fuel that competitive spirit just a little bit. Maybe because just something where, small, where, maybe a 5K.
1: Where I'm competitive is wanting to be right, right? Like I'm competitive oh, yeah. here
2: That's behind
1: unique. a microphone. That's where I'm competitive. I'm competitive in this world we live <sighs> in. It, when I'm on first take in August, I will be
2: highly competitive with my takes. Oh, yeah? I'm
1: competitive in this business. What else do you want from me? That's competitive. That's,
2: okay, that's good. It's good to have some competition there. It's good to push the boundaries every now and again to know you're still alive. You don't want to be veal. You don't want to be tied up to some rope in some eight-foot square radius just standing there being soft your whole that's life. why you're I don't eat veal.
1: That's why I don't eat veal. It's a terrible either. thing to eat, by the way. I don't
2: either. I'm a member of the 14ers, so, you know, guys <laughs> like us, we got a whole different <laughs> regimen we go about. I
1: mean, I'm surprised you don't just kill a cow with your bare hands and eat it raw because yeah. you're a member of the 14ers. You're I like Take hands, down hands. mountain goats. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, it's funny because I think that a lot of people that feel like they need to do these things to be fueled, like you keep saying it makes you feel alive. Like, no, you you made a reference to me floating in my pool, shipping the finest of champagnes. That's not something <laughs> I do on the <laughs> reg, but that is something that would make me feel very alive.
2: <laughs> that'll That'll play. That'll play. I just like the idea. I turned 40 a few years ago, and I wanted to start making sure I experienced more things. So when I got to the end of the line, I would look back and say, you know what? That was an exciting life. There was some adventure in there. So the first one I did last year was my first marathon. I hit that. Now I climb this mountain. Now I got to figure something else out. I don't know what the third one's going to be. I'm kind of lost. I started looking at stuff. If anyone's got suggestions for the 2024 Masogi, I'm open. This member of the 14ers is open for it
1: Uh, to each their own. I applaud all your efforts. I will live and do my living by looking at you on Instagram doing your type of living. How about that? That's my type of living. Uh, I'm living doing Joe and Amber with actual Joe and Amber, Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh back with you tonight coming up next here on Joe and Amber. What Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs learned from that last Super Bowl title defense? Maybe we'll actually get to it.
0: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
1: Patrick Mahomes is highly motivated to repeat again as Super Bowl champs. We'll get into what his what he said when he had a microphone in front of him today. But first, Joe Fortenbaugh is going to do what he does best.
0: Pizza money alert.
2: Pizza, pizza. It's been a while since we last spoke on this front last show. We went one in one down 0.35 units. So overall as a show since January, 153 wins, 140 losses, two ties were up 13.49 units. Bet for tonight, the Seattle Mariners. Later this evening, 9.40 p.m. Eastern, they're minus 130 over the Minnesota Twins. Brian Wu pitching for Seattle tonight. He's one of the most undervalued pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. He had one bad start to open the season. Since then, two or fewer earned runs in six straight starts. He's got a 3.63 ERA, but when you look at the XERA, it drops to 2.78. This is important. If you're evaluating starting pitchers, Always compare the ERA with the XERA. If the XERA is lower, it suggests the pitcher has been unlucky and he's undervalued. If the XERA is higher, like it is for Bailey Ober of Minnesota tonight, who he's going against, that suggests the pitcher's been fortunate and he might be a bit overvalued. So tonight, pizza money number one, Seattle minus 130 over Minnesota.
0: This is going to be nice tonight, but uh, that's history. It's all been done. Now it's uh, forward.
3: I'm very excited. I mean, that's what you work for, was to win the Super Bowl and get those rings. They last a lifetime. But uh, tonight's the last night. You get to celebrate it. And then we're moving on to the next season.
0: And that's the way they've approached this offseason. It's been fun to watch.
3: Time to move on. You're going into training camp next. And you want to repeat. I mean, no one's done it since the Patriots. And so you know how hard it is to do. And we had a chance a couple years ago, and it didn't go our way.
1: Eight NFL franchises have won back-to-back Super Bowls. None of them have done it since the Patriots did it following the 2003-2004 season. It has been quite some time. That was the voice of Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. He wants to do it. He plans to to end that streak The drought of no back-to-back, he wants to do it this season, becoming the back-to-back Super Bowl champ. But what was interesting about the things that Mahomes said, Joe, because listen, I think that that's no surprise to anybody that that man would want to win another Super Bowl. He said today at his press conference that he feels like the Chiefs got a little bit complacent last time they had this opportunity to repeat.
3: Look at us last time after we won the, the first Super Bowl. I mean, we, we really were like 14 and one. We sat the last game, went to the playoffs, then ended up losing in the Super Bowl. Um, but you get you, in that mode, especially when you're winning a lot of games. Where you can, I don't want to say coast, but you kind of like, this is what we do. Let's just go out, practice this way, and then, and then win a game. Um, whereas this time I think I'm going to try to really push and motivate guys to continue to try to get better, even better than – even though we're winning football games, let's not be satisfied with just winning. Let's be let's satisfied with finding ways to get better every single week. Um, and so whenever you get to that, that opportunity, you don't let it let it squander. You really have to take advantage of it, and it's hard. Um, I think it'll be, it's going to be the hardest it's ever been. Um, I've said it a lot. The AFC has – when you look at the AFC, there's like – Almost every team, you can see a path for them getting to the playoffs. Um, and I know you said that every year, but I think this year is real, is really real. And so uh, we know week in and week out, it's going to be a challenge for us. And let's get better and try to win as many football games as possible and put ourselves in that position.
1: Did he just say they got complacent because they lost a the Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, they went fourteen and <laughs> one, and then and took one. the last game off, no big deal, and then <laughs> lost in the Super Bowl. And he did, he did, he defined that as complacent,
1: complacent,
2: lazy bums losing wow. that game to Tom Brady you of all what? people
1: they should be ashamed of themselves
2: just i mean really
1: taking their foot off the gas pedal there
2: it's it's so so difficult to 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 stack championships like this i mean think about everything that needs to go your way to even be in position to win one of these things it's not just about having patrick mahomes and being great you got to stay healthy and and that is the most important factor philadelphia last year was extraordinarily healthy. If you look at what's called injury luck, they had a fantastic year in terms of staying healthy. Compare that with the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners were trotting out Josh Johnson and then eventually Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback at the NFC Championship game, because they lost everybody. The injuries could have been the difference in that game. The Niners could have won that game. So right there, you've got to be able to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. Then he mentioned that the AFC is absolutely stacked. Baltimore is going to be back. Cincinnati's not going anywhere. Rodgers is with the Jets. The Jaguars are on the rise. The Bills are still hanging around. The Dolphins are coming up. Maybe the Chargers finally break through, although we all know as we snicker, that's not going to happen. You got to deal with that as well. You've got the every single team circles you on the schedule. Every team's going to give you the best shot. So I love the fact that, Amber, he's going into this and he's going to try to keep guys focused. He's going to try to avoid the complacency, but it's just going to be so hard to pull that off because it's such a daunting road to get into position to win one of these things.
1: We were talking about competitiveness earlier in the show, right? Where I just don't possess that sort of competitiveness, which is why I was never going to be any sort of athlete in my life. Patrick Mahomes is a crazy person when it comes to competitiveness. (laughs) All of these guys are, and you hear it there because he's got to find ways to motivate himself. When you are the greatest We know this. We saw it with Michael Jordan. We see it with LeBron James. When you are one of the best, and Patrick Mahomes certainly is one of the very best in the game in his generation, you've got to find ways to continue to challenge yourself to keep going. And calling your team complacent in 14-1 and losing in a Super Bowl, making it to a Super Bowl, I think that's one of those ways that you challenge yourself and you challenge the way – That the team is built around you when you say, hey, we really took it easy in that Super Bowl that we lost. Let's go ahead and make sure that we don't do that this season. But you're right. So many things have to fall into place. The health obviously is always a factor. There's a lot of other factors as well. Like you referenced the Eagles there. The Eagles not only found themselves very healthy at the end of the season and at the end of the postseason, but they also found themselves with the easiest schedule in the entire NFL when you look back uh, and pull the the win totals there for the schedules uh, from last season. So the Eagles had a very... Easy street in terms of schedule to get there. Those sorts of things can work in a team's favor at the end of the day. Now, the Chiefs had a hard schedule getting to the Super Bowl last season. What is it going to look like for them in a stacked AFC this season? Because they kind of lucked out in terms of their own division, though, even though their their schedule was tough. Last season, we thought that division was going to be much harder than it was. You just referenced you still have no confidence in the Chargers because we've all fallen for that rope-a-dope before. But this could be the year. This could be the year, Joe. Right, that right, it actually yeah, this is looks, the year. It could be the year that it yeah. actually looks the way that it's supposed to look surrounding that quarterback. The Raiders, I mean, it could be a step for. I don't even know if Jimmy G is going to start the season for the Raiders, and I don't know if Josh McDaniels can be – Any kind of good at head coach because so far his head coaching career has suggested otherwise, but that's going to be a team. Obviously, that's highly motivated. The Denver Broncos have everything to prove with Russell Wilson coming off of a remarkably terrible year for a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So, Even in their own division, the Chiefs might have competition that they didn't have this past season. And then you mentioned all the other risers across the entire AFC. This is going to be another difficult path for the Kansas City Chiefs. They were able to navigate it all last season. I'm not saying that I'm not confident in the Chiefs by any means. But like you said, so many things just have to fall into place, which is why no one's done it since the early 2000s.
2: Denver will be better with Sean Payton as the head coach. The Raiders are a big question mark. And that all comes down to whether or not Garoppolo gets healthy and is ready to go at the start of the season. If he is, they should be a little bit better. The Chargers always play the Chiefs tough. Anybody who bets on football knows the Chargers are always a problem for the Chiefs. But that's in individual matchups. Over the course of a 17-game season, the Chargers just don't have the gas tank to last that long and keep the fight that close. But they'll be there. You look at this schedule, you're going to open the season against Detroit. If anyone has studied what Patrick Mahomes does in week one as a starter, he annihilates the competition. So they're going to win that game. You go to Jacksonville in week two, that game will be feisty. Week three, you're going to host Chicago. You should take out the Bears. Week four, you're at New York to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Then you're at the Vikings. You should win that game. Home against Denver, home against Chargers, at Denver versus Miami, then at the bye. That's not easy. Mm -mm. there aren't any layups in there. I mean, you might say the Bears, but the Bears are going to be a lot better this season. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but the Bears are one of those ascending teams that's going to go from three wins to probably six or seven. And in the losses, they're going to be a hell of a lot more competitive than we've seen in the last few years.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. With this equation for the Chiefs, they still may come out on the right side of that win-loss column the overwhelming, over, over, overwhelming majority of the time. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to get beat up in the process as they head towards a postseason. And so I, I respect that Patrick Mahomes wants to repeat. If I was a betting woman, Joe Fortenbaugh, which you know I'm probably not. But if I was a betting woman, I don't we'll think I'd be there. betting on them to repeat, right? I, I I wouldn't feel very confident about it just because of, of all those intangibles that have to fall into place for the Chiefs to actually yeah. win a Super Bowl again. I mean,
2: if in the NFC, it is staggering how wide open that conference is. They they there the opportunities to get into the playoffs, there are the NFC is as thin as I have ever seen it. The AFC is as deep as I've ever seen it. Everybody but the Patriots is a playoff contender in the AFC East. Everybody is a playoff contender in the AFC North. Mm Jacksonville is probably the only team in the South, although Tennessee might try to make a case now with Hopkins, but I still think they have plenty of problems. And then in the AFC West, I'd say at least three teams are contenders to get into the playoffs. It's going to be a hell of a road. That one seed is going to be so valuable in the AFC this year.
1: Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenball. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenball. You can find me as well at Amber W sports. It is time to rank the best jerseys in the NFL. ESPN radio is also on the ESPN app.
0: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
1: We like to rank things here at ESPN radio and we're marching our way towards NFL season. We miss the NFL. So, so much. We miss it so much that we're ranking all sorts of stuff, NFL related to get our way there. And today it is ranking jerseys. And Joe, I was a little confused about how to tackle this before we actually give our rankings because Is this top jerseys, like jerseys that we're actually going to see this season? Or is this top jerseys? Did you treat this as a top jerseys of all time in the NFL? Because those are two different conversations.
2: I treated it as the five best jerseys I could think of, and I was going to rank them. So it's five all time. All
1: time. I like
2: the fact that people can view this in different ways through different prisms it just opens up a much better conversation so if you did it differently i'm excited to hear what you have
1: no i also did it all time i saw some of the other lists i think some other people were doing it real time not all time and so there's different interpretations here you and i are both doing our all-time favorite nfl jerseys let's get to it
0: from the top five NFL quarterbacks. Burrow. Touchdown, what a start. Two actually has one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. To the top five NFL fan bases. Stoppers. Stoppers. Oh, How about them now, We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's 158. Rank them. The top five jerseys. Number five.
1: I'm going to be a super homer with this one, but I actually really, really struggled go. with this one. I have a very strong OLI on the outside looking in. I will get to that in our post list analysis. At number five, I am going with my Miami Dolphins, the all teal jerseys. Joe,
2: ugh, I should have. <laughs> I can't. I thought you'd at least you'd at least slow roll me and at some point get to that down the line. All right, number five for me. I'm very specific here. It is the 1967 New Orleans Saints home jerseys. Wow. I did a big internet research, Google search of this today just to see everything popping up. Beautiful jerseys, all black, gold numbering, sleeves are gold and white stripe. The Saints just looked so clean in those jerseys, and they've brought them back as throwbacks at times. Number five for me, the 1967 New Orleans Saints home jerseys.
0: Number four.
1: My number four is the Seahawks color rush Jersey. (laughs) I love color rush jerseys and I understand that I may be in the minority with that take because most people love traditional jerseys. They love throwback jerseys. They love nostalgia. Nope. I'm here for the modern. I'm here for the chaos. I love a good color rush jersey, and no color rush jersey in the NFL was better than that Seattle Seahawks electric color rush jersey that hurt your eyes, but it was glorious. Beautiful.
2: You are going to make so many people mad with that comment. I love it. I'm actually kind of doing the same thing. I don't have a year for this, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers Bumblebee throwbacks. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Those. Those are so hideous, and they make so many people so mad that they're on my top five list because every time the Steelers wear them, everyone, including everyone in Pittsburgh, looks at those jerseys and goes, why are we wearing these things? They look hideous. Everybody gets mad at it, and I think it's one of the all-time great troll jobs in the NFL. Number four for me, Pittsburgh Steelers, Bumblebee jerseys.
0: Number three.
1: My number three is the Cincinnati Bengals all white yeah, jersey. Yeah, that's clean. The white Bengal Tiger jersey Like so, so dope. I absolutely love those jerseys. If I was the Bengals, I'd want those jerseys all the time.
2: Okay, so you're going very modern day with a lot of I this. Like,
1: so here is how I'm I it. approach I'm jerseys. It. I like modern. Everybody else so old and they all want the nostalgia and they just want all tradition and they want them as boring as possible no give me modern twists give me exciting jerseys that's what i like
2: you're picking good looks so far i can't fault you the bangles all white looks very clean number three for me it's one that would probably appear on a lot of lists it's the powder blues of the san diego and now los angeles chargers every time they come out in those blues they look fantastic. They have different ways. They can rock the helmets with the yellow lightning bolt or the different combinations of pants they want to wear. I think all the different permutations that the Chargers put together when they go all dark navy blue or, mm-hmm. or they go all white or they bring in the yellow or they rock with the powder blues, I don't think anyone does it better than the Chargers top to bottom with all the combinations. If they could win a little bit more, it would be better for them. <laughs> but number three for me, it's the powder blues, San Diego, Los Angeles.
0: Number two.
1: Yeah, they might need some changes top to bottom in that organization, particularly maybe they're at the top in terms of the coaching staff. But the jerseys do not need to change. Number two on my list is, in fact, the Chargers powder blue jerseys. And you are right. The Los Angeles Chargers, formerly San Diego Chargers, can do no wrong when it comes to jerseys. They have awesome colors. I just think the whole thing works, and they pull it off every time. But those powder blues are just so dope.
2: Yeah, the powder blues are gorgeous. Number two for me, it's the Buccaneers creamsicles. I don't understand why Tampa doesn't lean into this more often. People love these jerseys, not just the home fan base, but everywhere. The creamsicles look fantastic. Now, I understand that they wore those back when they were absolutely abysmal, so maybe they don't want to associate that anymore, but bottom line... A lot of people like them. I understand the whole supply and demand thing. Only bring it out every now and again, and people will keep wanting it. But Creamsicles number two for me.
0: Number one.
1: When you live long enough, you live to see the uncool become cool, the bad become good. And that's exactly what has happened with the Tampa Bay Creamsicle jerseys. And oh, nice. number one on my list is the Buccaneers Creamsicle jerseys. They are my one throwback, right, on this list that I have. They are the exception to my modern rule. I typically like my jerseys to be modern and innovative, not when it comes to the Bucks, They got it right the first time. They didn't get the team right. It was terrible. It reminds me of my childhood. I grew up here in basically the Tampa Bay area. I grew up in Sarasota, which is where I am now. It's an hour south of Tampa, 45 minutes really, on a good day, Joe. So I'm 45 minutes away from Tampa and the Bucks were so bad when I was growing up. So bad. I cared not at all about that team. I cared so little about that team that I ended up becoming a massive Dolphins fan in life. Like, that's how little I cared about the Bucks. However, the creamsicle jerseys were awesome. And we thought that they were ugly at the time. But I think the only reason that everyone thought they were ugly back then and complained about them was because the team was bad. Because there's nothing ugly about them. In fact, I went to a Luke Combs concert a couple weekends ago joe and luke combs came out on stage because it was in tampa it was at raymond james he comes out on stage he did the whole concert in a bucks bucks creamsicle play to the crowd play to the crowd play to the crowd but also it was the throwback and it looked dope on him absolutely the bucks creamsicle jersey you cannot go wrong that's the best throwback in the nfl
2: number one full homer mode alert it's the Philadelphia Eagles, Kelly Green jerseys worn specifically by number seven, Randall Cunningham. Those jerseys were part of my childhood. I love it when the Eagles throw back into the Kelly Greens. It feels like they're trying to embrace it more and more as we get into the later years um, because they were resistant to it for a while. The Eagles, Kelly Greens, full Homer alert, worn by number seven, Randall Cunningham, top jersey of all time I mean, for me it's
1: so far from a top jersey i do not understand and a lot of people agree with you and i just do not get it it the, to me a very very boring jersey i don't understand Watch the attractions that jersey the Watch bumblebee throwbacks for the steelers making an appearance on your list is is going to infuriate people
2: well, yeah, it's I mean, such that's, an ugly jersey. They're the ultimate jersey. troll jerseys. The it's fact the that they keep uglies. coming out is just remarkable.
1: But you're right, it gets everyone talking. Coming up yeah. next, we're going to keep talking here on Joe and Amber. Why 76ers general manager Daryl Morey is not worried about the team's future.
0: This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.